0: I spent five minutes in Petrified Forest and felt identity with it. I felt there's something in that landscape that speaks to who I am. Hello again, friends. Thank you so much for joining me here. It is Greg with the Wisdom of the Wilderness podcast. Thank you for being here and spending a little bit of your day learning something new. We are here to share wisdom gained from time spent in nature with a dose of inspirational and empowering stories of everyday people that move through uncharted territory, both literal and figurative. I hope you are as excited as I am to get to this week's episode. Here we go. Hey, friends, thanks again for joining me on the Wisdom of the Wilderness podcast. I am a little bit celebrating a milestone today because there's over a thousand people have listened to an episode which is fantastic. Uh, Turns out the most popular is episode 18 with Emily's amazing outdoor adventures, which is fantastic. Um, So I'm excited. People have uh, listened and told their friends, and uh, it's pretty exciting. And uh, as well, um, I've been meaning to share something about this, uh, share some wisdom from deserts for a while, and it just hasn't happened yet. So uh, today's a big day. Uh, deserts and arid lands are some of my favorite places to be. Um, perhaps that's because I grew up where it's green and uh, it's verdant and lush and green most of the year. Even in winter, there's still greenery. Um, there's a lot of precipitation. So for me, it was quite, I loved it uh, to go somewhere and uh, attend school and live in other places where it was dry and arid. Um, I love going to the desert to explore and was fortunate to spend a whole bunch of time in cool places in Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado and Utah, uh, as well as Central Oregon and some of the more arid places in Central BC. There's actually a desert in British Columbia. Who'd have thunk it? Uh, it's pretty hot out there a lot of the time too. Pretty cool. Anyway, so today, I'm going to share some um, of the wisdom of deserts. And first, was going to share a couple quotes about them because, again, I mentioned some of my favorite places. Edward Abbey is one of my favorite authors, right, wrote extensively about, oh, gosh, the Colorado Plateau. Um, but uh, without uh, further ado here, I'm just going to read these two little quotes that I found. Um, first one is by Kathleen Norris, and I found it on AZ Quotes. Uh, Maybe the desert wisdom of the Dakotas can teach us to love anyway, to love what is dying in the face of death, and not pretend that things are other than they are. The irony and wonder of all of this is that it is the desert's grimness, its stillness, and isolation that bring us back to love. I think that's a fantastic quote. I'm actually going to talk a little bit about some of the aspects that uh, Kathleen touches on in that quote because there is a lot, there's a lot going on there. The second one that I wanted to share is by Edward Abbey in Desert Solitaire. The extreme clarity of the desert light is equaled by the extreme individuation of desert life forms. Love flowers best in openness and freedom. And that, that for me, friends, that's, yeah, that's life. I think a lot of stuff begins in the desert, and it just deserts call to me. It is, uh, yeah, my favorite places to be and go and explore. All right, with that, uh, I'm gonna gonna start off here. Oh no, wait! I got one more quote. Wow, good thing I'm looking at my notes, right? Uh, Polish comes from cities, wisdom. from the desert and that's by frank herbert and uh yeah it's uh deserts are awesome all right so why do i like deserts and uh what's some of the wisdom that we can get from there for me it really was my boss course but more so after that um reflecting on the experience, and then going back out to the desert on my own a few times and connecting with people. And for me, it was a different level of connection. I, at the time, was living in a major metropolitan area, uh, working a big corporate job, and um, there was a lot of stuff seemed like it was hidden, and there were a lot of facades. And what I loved and appreciated going out into the desert and exploring the desert And also meeting people was that the landscape was harsh, harsh yet open. You could see a lot, very little was hidden other than the animals who were, you know, nocturnal, but very little was hidden. You could look around and see what was happening, what was going on. In some places you could look for a long time and not see trees. Um, it was very, very different from, you know, spending earlier times in my life on the West coast where there's a lot of vegetation, there's a lot of greenery, it's beautiful. Uh, at the same time, things are obscured. There's a lot of hidden things. Uh, you can walk into the bush and fall into a hole, step on a log, find a body, whatever it might be, um, because there is so much more greenery. So it was an interesting balance. But that that harsh yet open feel of the desert also seemed to translate into the people that I met. They had most of them been attracted there or been there for a while, and. There was a different level of openness and sharing and connection on, shall we say, some of the uh, learning experiences of life. Um, Just I found a lot more more open, open people, open to share, open to learn, uh, and even open just to listen without needing to say something. The desert seemed to draw those people who are, in a way, seeking for an answer, but also getting reflected an answer in that landscape and environment. The desert is often seen as open. You know, we see some of the pictures where, oh, wow, there's literally nothing out there, huh? Just sagebrush. Um, but it's beautiful in its own way. Uh, but that openness can also catalyze openness to new ways of being uh, as as humans and new ways of travel. Uh, what I mean by new ways of being is, you know, be when you're physically in an environment that is so open it can open up new levels of awareness within you new perspectives on many things the the simple a simple quote by edward abbey earlier you know the the flower can bloom but that level of beauty when the flower only blooms one day a year perhaps um, that's a it's a different way of being different different way of appreciating the transitory nature of life and the the beauty and uh, the the rawness. As well, when you're uh, in the desert, you kind of need to be open to different ways of travel. Um, this is particularly true if you're traveling on foot or powered by your human-powered bicycle, raft, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Um, Things can get really, really hot during the day, and at the same time, they can cool down quickly at night. They do cool down quickly at night. Uh, it can be a very inhospitable environment in some cases that requires some extra planning, some additional considerations and responsibility for things to be aware of, you know, very different for someone to go for a walk here in this area uh, or even in the mountains around here versus, you know, going for a walk in God, even in Metro Phoenix. Um, (laughs) A lot of, they can just, it is very different. Um, It's a different, you know, you can, can go up midday here. It's maybe going to be 80 degrees on a, on a hot day, maybe 90. If we say it's a super hot day, uh, there are other places where it can be that by 8 AM and, uh, your, your body requirements are different. Your clothing requirements are different. It, you can, uh, you need to be aware of those things. It can go south very quickly if you're not open to new ways of being or travel when you are in those desert or arid lands. One of the things that I love about deserts is the plants are hardy. You get hardy plants, hardy animals, resourceful animals that survive and thrive. You can think of a variety of the things that I am really, really good at running into that friends of mine, when we do go hiking, like to laugh and point when I run into a cactus or, uh, oh gosh, that sword fern thing, um, yeah, a uh, yucca, the, and yeah, there, there's a ton of things that are out there, and uh, those plants are hardy, though. They're resourceful, right? They've got, they're, they're surviving off of limited water. You think of some of the saguaro cacti, and uh, how beautiful a saguaro cactus looks, how beautiful other cactus look, and they've also got, you know, a lot of protection on them to, to maintain that water, to be efficient. When we think of animals, too, the animals are resourceful in a different way. Um, How are you going to eat something like a cactus if you're (laughs) a plant eater? Um, How are you going to find other animals to eat if you are a predator? So, you know, we think of coyotes. It's not a very, uh, they have a a wide range of things that they can and will eat. Um, Often seen out there, snakes as well. You know, we don't have the snowshoe hare and the uh, snow leopard type of deal where, you know, the population is dependent on, uh, on one thing. Um, yeah. Hard of care. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. The ones out in <laughs> that I should have on the top of my head for being out in the Rockies for so long. Um, but anyways, we have things that survive. So, you know, the, the resourcefulness that you have as an animal, what plants can you use, where do you get them? How do you get them? You, you're adapted to You've adapted your behaviors to travel at night versus traveling during the day. Um, you rest during the day. Uh, you're aware of a lot more things where the water sources are. So it, it's really easy to see that, um, and also to see, you know, in in people that are out there. But lessons that we can take and wisdom we can take is, you know, re, you can be resourceful in an area with a lot of resources, but it's a different level when. The resources are different, or are scarce, or require different levels of knowledge and wisdom. One of the things that jumps out too is that aspect of self-sufficiency being out there. Uh, the environment can be harsh, and you know the the plants or the animals out there. There's not generally large packs of them that I can think of. Um, you know, maybe maybe coyotes uh, in some areas, but it tends to be solitary um, independent, self-sufficient and for the predators. Um, and that's, that's interesting too, because, you know, we look at when you are out in the desert, if say you're, you're traveling through one, you know, do you have extra water? Do you have extra gas? If something happens, you may not encounter someone down this road, uh, pretty much every year or something happens and there's someone who passes away as a result of dehydration or, um, hyponatremia or any of the other uh, heat issues that can come up when you are in a desert. Um, You know, like having having extra things with you is kind of important. Um, You can very much take them for granted out here. Oh, in the desert, uh, (laughs) we get the wisdom to adapt to surroundings. You know, plants and animals have adapted very well to the challenging environments in which they live. Um, That gives us a great lesson, too, for for humans, you know, can you adapt to surroundings? How do you adapt to what's around you when going from lots of resources to no resources? Or how can you adapt? How can you move your, change your behavior, change, uh, change your diet, change whatever, as surroundings change? Um, just make a quick example. You know, growing up in a near a major metro area and uh, attending uh, university in a very small town was very different uh, in terms of I guess you could say culture or museums or uh, many of the urban amenities that uh, some people consider essential um, may not be as available or as prevalent in a small town or in a rural area Uh, but it depends what you want and what you do and you can adapt um, as I did, uh, or you can uh, not adapt and return to uh, where you came from, as several people in my awareness did um, in my time out there. Just interesting. So, you know, from the desert, we can learn how are you gonna how are you gonna change to fit into the environment, um, or are you gonna change, or will you change the environment? <laughs> wow, that was a big unintentional question. Dang oh the desert can also uh remind us to be open to wonder there are some incredible sights. there is a lot of magic that can transpire in these areas because they tend to be open and exposed Um, some of the things that i have experienced that i hope you have or will consider uh, or are seeking out um, the quiet and the solitude you know, there's not generally a lot going on outside of a city. I mean, yeah, Phoenix is a metro area in a desert, but you know, you get out into some of the the quieter areas or the protected lands, um, public lands. It's very different from in a forest versus in a desert. And you know, we've got different. We've got the the wonder of the wind. but We've also got the wonder of the quiet, the stillness. You know, if you're out in the middle of the day, you may be the only thing moving. Maybe you'll see some birds high up above, but you know, you, you hop out and go hiking in an Arizona desert at noon, say, um, and you've managed the risk yourself, you've got extra water. But uh, yeah, that's going to be very different from going for a hike here in the mountains at noon because you'll see a bajillion people. We get the quiet out there because, again, there's not a lot of noise, there's not a lot of people. We've got the wind, we've got openness. We also, at night, get the stars, and man, the places where I have seen the most beautiful open skies and displays of wonder in, gosh, in the stars and seeing the milking way and watching shooting stars, uh, looking for (laughs) spaceships and whatnot, Uh, that's been in the deserts. That's been, you know, out near Uluru, um, Central Australia. There's not a lot out there no light pollution um you're just in in a beautiful open area uh you know northern uh, northern wyoming or devil's tower not a lot out there um again you get into you know southern utah the four corners area and some of those open spaces wow those stars just pop at night and you can see billions just by being up there. you lose i mean how do you count them right what do you see or not but it's that area of wonder where wow yeah i'm i'm here and i'm I'm connecting with this physical environment that's so, so different, um, so expansive on its own, let alone, hey, wow, during the day, and hey, wow, it got dark, and look at all these stars you can see from Bryce Canyon, look at look at what's happening, look at all these things that we're unaware of during the day, like that really inspires the wonder. Um, we can also notice, too, the miracles of life, like how can you survive in an environment like this? What is... How is adaptation or how is generational change been affected as these areas get, in some cases, very limited water during the year? Very limited exposure to different things. Very, very cool stuff. And I uh, think about it. Think about it a lot. The uh, Another thing that we can, wisdom we can gain from deserts is memories of the past. Uh, and we can take this in a couple different ways. Um, you know, deserts are open and large and they generally have formed after periods where conditions have been like that. So as, you know, it's not getting a ton of rain one year, no rain the next year, a ton of rain one year, no rain the next year. Uh, you know, there's been prolonged times without rain that have transformed the, or access to water that have transformed the landscape and the species. So it's really interesting that we can mm-hmm. move through these areas and see the memories of the past. I know for me, I was in the Great Basin Desert. Uh, it was the last road trip I took. Um, it was cool to to walk up at some level and see remnants of mining from the 1800s. Um, to also go to other other places in the desert and see petroglyphs, um, pictographs, remnants from hundreds to thousands of years ago, and you know it. There's some interesting stuff we can see when we're out there of, hey, wow, it's the, you know, what, what's the state flower, of some state flower is the Bud Light can because it's so ubiquitous on the side of the road. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, ha ha. But, you know, we we see evidence of people, whether that is, you know, tin cans rusting away from about a century ago, uh, mine shafts that are still there, um, you know, evidence that someone was out there uh, shooting off a 22, Um evidence that someone had just left their vehicle there, uh, but also tying back all into those ancestral memories of the nomadic people and the very sacred sites that exist in some of the deserts around the world and um, some of the the places that were, were built so people had shelter from, you know, access to water and some type of shelter to be out of the elements in in their life. So really interesting. We go into that a lot with, you know, Mesa Verde, some of the uh, cliff dwellings there, the Pueblos of New Mexico, uh, you know, the the carvings and things all across Utah. Um, Utah's most known for it, but there are tons of other places, you know, caves and things like that. You're like, wow, people have been making fire here for a long time. People have been hiding out here for, you know, as they're, they're on the hunt, or as they're moving through the area, it's it's super cool. So the desert can hold that. It's a lot easier to see. Again, you know, being on the west coast, where we think of some of the Mayan civilizations. You know, the the jungle very quickly reclaimed things, and it can take a long time to for someone to get in there and come back. Um, stuff can disappear here pretty quickly. People can disappear here pretty quickly. Um, with all the the rain, the vegetation, the underbrush, um, just totally different. So. Yeah, something I've, I've thought about a lot. The the desert definitely connects to that. And as well as memories of the past, you know, it's open, it's big. You may find yourself wandering to memories of your own past and uh, reconnecting with those. Interesting, hey? Uh, one of the other things I found was uh, in the desert, you know, it's uh, important to take time to cool down. Um, physically, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> it's 110 and you're out in the desert doing something it's important to find somewhere cool to get into the shade to not overheat um, get yourself into a situation of heat exhaustion or or heat stroke or any type of heat illness um, taking time to cool down stopping in the shade uh, resting um, having a siesta even that's important get on the boss course you know it was really interesting because we were traveling in the desert and it actually got pretty cold at night. So you'd be cold at night and then the sun would come up and you'd be cold until it got warm. You're like, oh Hey, it's just super pleasant right now. And then there'd hit a time in the morning where, uh, the sun started to get hot and you knew for the next very long stretch of time, it was going to be hot until it got to be, you know, a little, a little less hot and more pleasant and then, uh, cold again. But having that time to cool down and seeking out those opportunities for shade and rest is really important. And that's also something that ties into our lives is it's important to cool down. Maybe that's, you know, have after or during a discussion that may become heated with somebody. Um, Maybe that's, you know, after your activity, maybe that's just a good reminder to take a little break, you know, to, to take some time for yourself, just to cool down, calm down, uh, remove oneself from a situation that's challenging. Great, great little reminder there. Talked about this one a little bit uh, in Open to Wonder, but as well, um, the desert reminds us to enjoy the nightlife. It is a totally different environment anywhere is when it's light versus when it's dark. Um, mentioned the stars coming out, but there's also, in the desert, we've got a lot of nocturnal animals. And uh, even around here, there's a lot more activity by some of the uh urban wildlife during the dark periods than during the light periods. Uh, the nightlife in the desert can also include uh, storms or thunderstorms. So those are things that I think are pretty cool, uh, especially when they happen in arid areas. Uh, for whatever reason, I've been, <laughs> been or brought with me uh, thunderstorms or different things and been in, in a metro area that was getting enough rain that roads are impassable. <laughs> Um, now, also, you know, there aren't a ton of storm drains or anything like that because it doesn't rain very much. But uh, that was really cool for me to to experience something, uh, a thunderstorm in the middle of the summer that blocked some major roads for a little while. Because again, I spend a lot of time where it rains all the time or fairly frequently, so not a big deal, but perspective. So the desert reminds us to enjoy the nightlife and to to look at nature in a different perspective of that daylight versus versus nighttime that about wraps up everything i had uh to share about today for the desert i'm sure there's a lot of other wisdom out there that people have or have learned from deserts it it's been fantastic for me to to spend time exploring out there and to really just the big wisdom the big piece that's come to me was that that harsh yet open area um has really really led me in some interesting directions with people who I've met and traveled with, uh, had experiences with who have been or choose to spend time in that type of environment. Uh, It's just been a people are cool everywhere. But for me, it's been a different type of connection that's hard to put into words, but one that really increases the appeal of deserts to me. So this resonates. Hey, go, go check out some deserts. It's pretty cool. Um, and if, uh, you're, you're not, Hey, that's great. You can still watch movies. There's some great movies set in, in different deserts. Uh, there's some great unique landscapes, um, but there's also so much cool stuff out there. And, uh, you never know what might happen when you're walking through a desert to, you know, get buzzed by some fighter jets or come across some interesting records of the past or, uh, randomly run into some interesting people and have some interesting experiences Uh, just super cool all right on that note uh looks like the skies have started to cloud over which is something that we would appreciate in the desert because it's a chance to cool down right okay have a wonderful day friends thank you so much for listening we'll catch you on the flip-flop Alrighty, then, that is the end of today's episode. Thank you very much for joining me, friends. I appreciate you spending part of your day with me. I hope you get a chance to go outside and breathe in some fresh air, or that you've already been outside and perhaps you're even listening to this at the end of an incredible adventure. If you get a chance, it would be wonderful if you could leave a review at the podcast hosting platform that you found this on, whether that's Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, a whole bunch of other things. Drop a review. That is fantastic. It helps spread the word, share the benefits of nature, and share some of these inspiring and empowering stories of what we can all do when we put our minds toward it. Spring is in the process of springing. Here where I am, I hope that things are starting to look oh, look brighter, smell sweeter, uh, get warmer wherever you are, and we will catch you next week for another episode.